0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Baddies Mean Business. Happy Wednesday. Today, we are joined by a very special baddie, Maria Gonzalez Blanch. Maria is a partner at Crescent Ridge, a female led VC firm that's invested in companies such as Nostalgia Coffee, led by Taylor Fields, based here in San Diego, uh, Needed PBC, Walla Fitness Software, and many, many more. Maria had previously worked in at, or worked at Bain & Company and held executive roles at a multi-billion private equity firm based in the Bay Area, and also at other consumer-focused companies such as Red Bull. Give you winks. Uh, <laughs> Maria joined Crescent Ridge in 2020. Since then, she has invested in over 25 companies and joined the board of Keg Technologies, for Verity Packaging. Maria also lives here in Carlsbad with her husband and two beautiful children. Welcome, Maria.
1: Welcome. Hello, thank you yes, so much. Absolutely, I'm so <laughs> excited to
0: have you on. I so know excited. we've we've known each other for quite a while. Uh, me and Maria met first when I was working at the Lavin Entrepreneurship Center at SDSU. I was in charge of the seed fund dinners, and Maria was one of the our speakers for my senior year, um, and she was fantastic. And she actually sparked a lot of like curiosity within venture capital for the group, which was like very special for me to see because uh, at that time I wasn't working in venture capital, but now I am so it's cool to have see like where we are now and to continue the yes. relationship. Mm-hmm.
1: But Yeah, it's very incredible like seeing like your journey and all the things you're doing is just very inspiring in such a short time.
0: Absolutely. And so I would just like love to hear more about you from your own words. Tell us a little bit more about you.
1: Okay, thank you. Hello everyone out there. <laughs> My name is Maria. I was born and raised in Spain. I'm an industrial engineer by training. I lived and worked in many different countries, so very international background. Um, worked at Bain, as, as you mentioned before, Riley, and uh, then I moved to the US over a decade ago. I moved to go to grad school at Stanford. And after graduation, I worked in private equity, and also as an operator in diverse roles, from sales to marketing to operations. So I've done a little bit of everything and a little bit of a jack, trades, mm-hmm. uh, jack of all trades, master of none. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I finally settled down in San Diego in 2019. That's where my husband is from. And that's it's always been a dream for me to to live in San Diego. So we finally made our way here. And that's when I was very blessed and was so lucky to meet Alison Lone, mm-hmm. who is the founder of Crescent Rich, uh, and so lucky to work with her today. So as soon as I met her, I could see immediately the incredible person she is, she professionally and, and personally um, fell in love with her investment thesis, the approach and the strong values and her vision of, of you know, and her way of doing business. Uh-huh. So Crescent Rich uh, was founded by Alison uh, 10 years ago. It's a female-led Evergreen Venture Fund based in Solana Beach. We're very different from what most people would think about a venture firm, and there's a lot of of reasons for that. To start with, we don't have LPs. The main source of our capital comes from Allison's family, and we also have other smaller partners, including myself. Um, So motivations when we invest are a little bit different than most venture capital firms out there and i can touch on that later Um, we're very big proponents on capital efficiency to maximize optionality our ideal investment is not the founder that needs a lot of rounds start with ABCD etc we prefer to invest in companies that eventually win off from bc ideally either have a smaller exit of hundred million or it just become a very sustainable business over over time and raise a, a growth round with debt or something like that. Um, and then the, the last thing is that we look for founders that are values aligned and have a similar philosophy in building companies and who are very interested in using their company as a platform for making the world a better place. And we mostly invest in health, in SaaS and consumer, uh, but we're generalists. We really care about the actual
0: founder and who they are. 100%. And we so appreciate you providing all the context. And if you wouldn't mind, just for those who may not know, what exactly is an Evergreen fund compared to other VC funds?
1: Yeah, for sure. So an Evergreen, it's a fund that is always deployed. Um, So we recycle our capital whenever we have an exit, we reinvest it. Uh, we don't have LPs, so it's our own money, and, you know, most funds are, you know, you raise a fund with different LPs, and and there's, um, you know, a, a team in place managing the, the capital, and once it's deployed, they raise another fund, and et cetera, et cetera. So, for us, it doesn't work like that. We have this source of capital mm-hmm. that is always there, and... Uh, we have targets every year to deploy, but if it's a year that valuations are crazy and it doesn't make sense, we are a little bit more patient. And the years that that we see better opportunities, we might invest a little bit more. Um, so yeah, it's uh, a little bit more free. Mm-hmm. I think this is like, <laughs> less yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, this is like a very exciting topic to me because we haven't yet like broken down exactly like the like the VC basics in this episode mm-hmm. or this podcast yet. So just kind of give a, a greater glimpse. Is well. The term LP, it means limited partner. And those are usually those who invest in venture capital firms. They're the ones who um, make us function. And so they're extremely important to the ecosystem. And then, um, so like for the firm I work for, we go off uh, fund to funds. So like we raise a certain amount for one fund, say like, for example, 20 million. We deploy that capital um, over a course of like, say, two two to three years. Um, And then after that raise another fund. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of like the difference between those two. But um, just to kind of get a better glimpse into like who you are, Maria, because we love to focus on the human side of people too. Mm -hmm. Um, What is like something about yourself, say like um, a skill or activity or something that you love to do that you don't often get to share with other people, but would love to share?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things and I'm I'm a person that I prefer to build a relationship and get to know each other before I I share more things. But Something funny that actually very few people know mm-hmm. um, is that growing up, I wanted to be a psychologist. Oh, <laughs> nice. I was fascinated by understanding the power of the mind. I've always been, you know, have a very strong intuition and I was very into meditation at a very, very early age. And I was very interested in discussing with people the purpose of life and very deep topics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's funny because I did something totally opposite. I became an engineer, which is... <laughs> Exactly the opposite thing. Uh, and I don't regret it at all. It was it was wonderful and very good decision at the time. Um, but the truth is that I still am very interested in understanding myself and others. And I have a very strong desire to have deep, authentic conversations with friends and family. And I wish a lot more people knew that and the open up more. And I really don't like transactional interactions very much. 100%. <laughs> 100%.
0: I'm kind of curious of like, so like when I was in my junior year of high school, I, I've said this before on the pod, but I wanted to become either a psychologist as well or a journalist. So those were like my two options and I ended up studying finance instead because <laughs> I thought that you could always like,
1: That's uh, right? yeah,
0: exactly. I'm like, isn't that how it goes? But mm-hmm. I think they, It's what's interesting is like, they're not um in different boxes like psychology is like applicable to anything and so it's like yes, really cool to right. anything and especially like venture capital it really is it's, it's yeah. a very relationship driven industry and so um it's very important to like take care of each person and like have an understanding of how people think within this industry because it's like how the way you pursue and capital or allocate your capital is like what drives like certain innovations in general but I'm kind of curious, like, is there any, like, really cool books that you've read recently, since you do love learning learning and learning about the mind and learning about people? Um, what's, like, something that's kind of inspired you recently?
1: I mean, recently, I'm going to be honest, I don't read too many books, mm-hmm. uh, as many as I want. Yeah, no I problem. Have kids at work. And Absolutely. I don't know how it is, but something that I I've read recently is How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. I love that book. It was very interesting. Um um, to see, you know, like the science behind psychedelics and coffee and, and your mind. And I like that one. But yeah, I'm not a big book reader lately. I have to admit that. <laughs>
0: 100%. And that's totally fine because totally uh, you are a mother. You're a hardworking mom. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of like curious, like how, um, like, if you had to, is being a mother changed the way that you look at investing? Like the way you look at problems? Has, like, since starting, like, that whole, like, I think, honestly, motherhood is probably one of the, it's definitely the hardest job you could possibly have. Um, Has your perspective on the world changed since then, when it comes to, like, what you do for work?
1: Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. It's changed so many things. Um, First of all, I mean, it's very good for negotiation, because you have to be constantly negotiating with an irrational human being that (laughs) is totally a psycho. So you need a lot of... Patience. Yeah. I mean, I, just for context, my kids are one and four. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it makes you focus on the important things. I don't have a lot of time in general, so um, you just have to prioritize. Um, and then, you know, in general, it gets, you get to know yourself a lot better. Like you you thought you were one person, but then when you're a parent, you think, Oh my god, I suck at this. Or, <laughs> you know, and, and there's a lot of like improvement every day. Um it's very humbling, to be honest.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing. True. Um Wow, yeah, I totally agree. Uh just getting into like more of your career aspect as well. So in what ways like have you drawn like your creativity through like previous roles and building brands and as an advisor, like what keeps you, like what draws in that creativity and that inspiration for you? Yeah. If so, you can provide
0: more context too on like your role at Red yeah. Bull and like you, um, your experiences throughout um, with that team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really interesting to learn like about like branding takes a lot of like thought, thought, creativity. And yes. so what's your sp- specific yeah. approach?
1: Yeah. So the truth is that I never really had a master plan. I, I always knew, I always did the work of understanding my values and what I want out of life. And, and then I tried to decide my life to to get there. Um, but in terms of my work before, I have done a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I am a very curious person. So I'm not the best at getting very deep mm-hmm. and operating and always getting focused on something. I just wanna learn new things and that's probably why I did engineering and after that I did consulting and I was work I worked with 20 companies in a matter of 3 years and after that I went to business school and and then again into private equity because I money I got to work with 13 different brands so I always like to have my hands in too many things you know? mm-hmm. and um in terms of building brands I mean I, something that I'm not very good at is that, you know, design and art and all those things. I'm not great. I'm not very good at it. I'm much better when it comes to brand and storytelling. I'm boiling down what is truly important. And I'm, I think more in bullet points. So I prefer to use a whiteboard mm-hmm. and post-its and do some brainstorming sessions with other people. And I, I like to write things down and uh, under different themes and mm-hmm. That's really how I, I mean my process, and 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 then I really like to ruminate and go outside of the office, and then when I'm surfing or running or doing something active, like just just thinking, okay, how how do we make this idea, this very complex problem, simpler? Mm-hmm. So I always like to think about like the overall, like crazy, like put everything on the table, and then just try to make things very simple. And what is the most important thing? Mm-hmm. So that's n- normally my process. Yeah, Amazing. I love that. I think it?
0: that's I think that's a really cool perspective because like when you think of branding, you do think of the design elements, but really when you boil it down, it is a storytelling um, role. I you kind of like sparked a, a analogy in my head I, this morning. I was listening to an interview by Jennifer Lawrence and Viola Davis, mm-hmm. and Variety I think is the account, and they were talking about like. Um, in order to be like a great actor, actress, you have to become an observer of life. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I see that within your story of like you, I'm starting to identify patterns within your own personal brand being a Jane of all trades. Mm -hmm. But they were very true. And like, I think the best way to understand how to boil down stories is like to be an observer of life, because that's where you can get the best education um so i'm kind of just like curious if like that plays into like your thought process when it comes to breaking down these different stories
1: yeah totally i think i I feel identified with that i think that again i'm very curious and i just like to observe to learn new things i mean i feel like i'm here in the world to just keep learning every day and keep getting to know people like how people solve different problems Mm -hmm. what are the problems i like to have always very different perspectives uh, how people on one side think and the other people on the other side. So, um, yeah, I think to your point, I think that the more you're exposed to more things, the better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I totally
2: agree. I think um, also just like with you being involved in so many different things throughout your career, what would be like a um, – I guess what do you kind of look at for like founders that inspire you or people who inspire you? Like what are the qualities that you feel are really important when you're trying to like either get involved with something new or when you have in the past, like, what do you feel like is the most important value and in your career?
1: Yeah. I think that founders that I really admire, I mean, a lot in our portfolio, to be honest, um, I really admire when founders are very Mm self-aware and, and they are authentic. They really are. Um, they did their work of getting to know who they are, and and they also understand what are their shortcomings, and they have a growth mindset. So those are the things that I value the most. Um, I also think that there's a there's a very like difficult balance be- between you want them to be very stubborn and, and being very committed to their mission, but at the same time, flexible enough to get feedback and and understand, you know, things that they need to change. And at the end of the day, that's always the exercise of keeping your ego in check. And and I think that a lot of the founders they need to have big egos and and being like a little bit on the of a narcissist to, mm-hmm. to get these crazy uh, projects done. Uh, I really admire them because I personally I don't think I I could start these businesses and 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 have so much you know so much drive on on and you know passion on getting on a very long project um but you also want them to to be you know self aware and 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 humble and and all those things so it's it's hard i think that somebody that is balanced mm-hmm. at the end of the day you want somebody that is balanced but also relentless that know how to sell i mean the selling skills are super important when you're a founder you need to sell to everyone not only to investors but your team you need to to get people on board with your vision and that requires a lot of like selling skills. Mm
2: -hmm. Absolutely, I think it takes a really unique kind of person to master both of those traits because you have to be so upfront and business mindset and like you know just on but then you also need to have that balance of being a human and having human emotions and you know all of those things that come into that but balance it well enough. So I feel like that's really interesting because I don't think everybody is suited for that role and it takes a very unique kind of person to do that. And yeah, I think those traits are really important as well.
1: Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also think that what, you know what makes a founder very good in the early stage, um, many times is like a problem when mm-hmm. the company starts to grow. So I think that is also tricky and and some founders like you know they recognize it and they think okay you know I need I need another person who knows about this yeah. but they, you know so it's always like a very interesting journey to see like um, what happens with each company and 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 how people adapt and at the end of the day it comes to having a growth mindset I and mean, can they adapt and change mm-hmm. and are willing to to change. Hundred
0: totally. I think that that's the. Um, a conversation we had it's like what does it mean to like invest like founder first and i feel like that what you just said is exactly like what it is it's like sometimes when it comes to so investing in like early stage companies or like pre-seed and seed stage companies like a lot of some firms do invest founder first meaning it's about if you're pre-revenue blah 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 you're like you're selling yourself mm-hmm. like you're selling like who you are and your team and like your resilience and so um I think that's like something I've like t- chatted with other founders. They're like, okay, well, how am I supposed to like prove to these investors that I'm worth investing in if I mm-hmm. haven't done the tra- gotten the amount of traction metrics that I need? And it's like, well, you and yourself are a value point. Like, you are like somebody who has a story to tell, and so I'm like really glad that you touched on that when it comes to like how you um, how you invest yeah. in your career. Me too. I'm kind of curious also. So going through and like you invest in healthcare and and you have your own specific investment thesis for the firm, but for you and yourself, like what types of problems have you been just really passionate about in your own personal like perspective in the world that you would just love to just talk about and like share with others and maybe point attention to?
1: Problems that I'm dying to, to solve for. I mean, of course we're like a small, tiny fund and we have limited resources, but if money wasn't like resources uh, are
0: resources <laughs> are plentiful in an imaginary yes. world like what would you do
1: yeah if the resources were like not a problem i i would solve the health problem mm-hmm. i mean physical and mental mm-hmm. people are like sick and and body and mind are very connected i'm a very passionate person about health and wellness and also about the um, the mind in general so um i think that the system today is very good to keep you alive you're about to die but when it comes to something more preventive and holistic there's there's not a lot of solutions and people are more and more interested of you know taking ownership of their own health and i believe that's you know it's a huge problem and it's only getting bigger um but it's it's really hard to fix um there's a lot of interest and and you know fda is tricky um reimbursement all the healthcare system in the u.s so i think it's changing and it will change but it will take a lot of capital and a lot of you know and also the consumers shifting their mindset on, on what they want and
0: i i read that you like to maybe previously or you are very into fitness or you've mm-hmm. surfed before um how do you in yourself like take care of your mental health and like how do you um what types of like solutions have you seen pretty effective in the world? This is something that me and Kenzie really care about too, is like, yeah, and okay. it's developing, like you're in a remote if, for those who work remote. Like it's mm-hmm. important to do things actively in your life to make mm-hmm. sure that you um, keep a sense of yourself. Um, you feel like a person, you feel like a human. Like what are those things for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, for me personally, I, I, am actually very active. I mean, if I have kids, it's a very important value in, in our family for both my husband and I. And we, I'm very active. Yeah. I work out a lot. I, I mean, one thing to do is like by getting organized. Mm-hmm. So you know, so you get it done. I get it done very early in the morning. I either do weightlifting or surfing, uh, depending on how the waves are. I live by the beach, and I surf pretty much five days out of the week, wow. something like that. Um, I take turns with my husband to to you know. To take the kids and all that. And I that's very important for me for my mental health and also for my physical health. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something I do. So I think that in in terms of workout, try to do something that, that you like, because then it doesn't feel like a chore. Yeah. Uh for me surfing, uh, but also, I mean, I don't enj- don't enjoy weightlifting that much, but strength is very important. Um, mm-hmm. it's it's actually the the first then if you don't have time, just do weightlifting. Um I think of course diet, um, you know, be outside, be with your friends. Um it's, it's a combination of everything. I try to be as balanced as I can, but I also have kids and, and it's, it's hard to 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 do everything, right?
0: Mm-hmm, 100%. 100%. I tried surfing for the, like the first time this last summer and it was probably the most humbling experience, I would say, <laughs> like yeah. I was, the amount of cardio involved. Yeah. Like I'm like paddling, I'm paddling, but I haven't moved. Like, <laughs> like it is cool. Yeah. It's quite intense. And so for the fact that you like make time to do that and be a mother and like mm-hmm. through your career, like it's extremely impressive. I mm-hmm. give kudos to those who, who serve oh, consistently. You. absolutely.
2: And I think just the overall message of like finding things in your day to day that um, allow you to be active and like go into your physical wellness and your mental wellness is just really important, especially I feel like in the early stages when, at least for Riley and I like getting into the early stages of our career, establishing the fact that this is a need and this is a important like we need to add that into our routines is something I feel like a lot of people might not really understand to do so because they're like we're young we got this like this is the time to hustle when you at the same time still need to be preventative with you know your physical you need to take care of your health you do exactly if you're in
1: your 20s yeah and that was one of the mistakes I made to be honest I I felt horrible when I was in my 20s and now I think back and I was working um at Bain in Brazil in this office it was always like hustling hustling and um I remember I put one week that was like 90 over 90 hours of work and I was like overweight and I mean not like super overweight but I I wasn't looking good I was like healthy I felt terrible and you know and then I had a lot of like health problems later on um that I I think that it was because of that time in my life um but I, I think the time to do it is now, um, mm-hmm. to be honest. And but the, the most important thing I think is as long as you have it in your routine, then you don't think about it and it's on autopilot. Yeah. I think that's really the trick. Like having a routine. Mm-hmm.
0: I agree. I, I agree. Totally.
1: That's totally. something I And having something that is that is feasible because I think like I try not I'm, I'm never on a diet. I always like try to make mm-hmm. the same foods that I know are good. I try to eat quite a bit of protein and um and yeah i mean as long as it has to be sustainable otherwise it doesn't it's not going to stick and it's going to be worse so you just as long as you can like put it in your routine and and, and it works
0: it's true it's really true Mm -hmm. i try
1: something that you enjoy yeah if you enjoy dancing go dance with your friends or if you go you you know like just do something
2: yeah i know um my thing for me is yoga like i got into my yoga journey in high school actually i was fortunate enough to like one of my classes in high school it was yoga. They like were offering it as one of the, like the physical education classes. And I was like, I'm, I'm doing that. I'd love to just, you know, do yoga. And at the time, I didn't really understand fully the value of it. And then it like made me appreciate it after I graduated high school. And then I like went to a yoga studio and started doing that. And then it really became like more of a, like mindful spiritual journey as well as like a physical journey. And so that's my one thing that I'm like, I'll never, not be down to do yoga or even if I get off the path for a little bit and I don't do it consistent, consistently for like an extended amount of time, I always end up defaulting back to it when I get back into those routines because, you know, things happen, life goes. and But that's my one thing. Like yours is surfing. It's like, that's my, that's my holy grail when it comes to like getting me back on track and getting me motivated in that way. And so mm-hmm. I think having that one thing, whether it be Like physical, whether it be just like, you know, you like to go for walks every single day after your long day and listen to music or a podcast or just like sit in silence of, you know, taking in nature. I feel like having something to, like you said, implement in your routine is really, really important. So I appreciate you saying that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of tools now, like talking about startups, there's a lot of tools that... (laughs) you have out there if you're somebody that like to see data like I love my aura ring I love oh yeah um, I've um, heard about those
2: and I actually if yeah I've I've heard they're amazing so we recommend I might have to look more into them
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah no I love it I mean we have also like a lot of investments in different health health and wellness companies like keg for example is uh, I'm actually on the board and they they are like an amazing company. It's like if you want to understand why you have irregular cycles, they have the only technology available to understand like what is happening in your cycle. Are you ovulating or not? Like, are you healthy? So that's, you know, that's already incredible, like to understand like you're, as a woman, we we have not a lot of information out there and we don't even understand our our hormones or or anything. So yeah, I think there's a lot of tools out there. Uh, that are really cool like even like the glucose monitors as well mm-hmm. if you're like very nerdy and you like to experiment with a lot of those things I think it's it's a lot mm-hmm. you know Amazing. a lot of data that is available now yeah sure
0: I feel like it's really exciting to see like what's coming out in the fitness industry something mm-hmm. we focus on at BGV is uh the gamification of fitness so one mm-hmm. of our portfolio companies um is called Averon and it's, mm. imagining like, Peloton, but for rowing. Okay. And so, but, mm. yeah. And it's it's so fun to look at. And I, rowing is, like, one of those things that's, like, it engages all muscles, like, within mm-hmm. your body. And so it's, like, something you don't think of. Like, instantly you think, when I want to do something, like, for fitness, like, I go weightlifting, I go running. But I'm like, there's actually a lot of options, oh, totally. like, coming out. Yes. Like, brand new ones each and every day. Um, class pass. So, like, being able to, like, go to a, um, like, groups of classes like mm-hmm. um, I used to do the f45 with my cousin for a little bit it was mm-hmm. quite int- it was quite intense so I will <laughs> say like it, it, it yeah. got a little not so enjoyable Um, but for me like I'm a I'm more of like a weightlifter and then I like to play volleyball yes so it's mm-hmm. like like there's so many options so for people who like especially young people yeah when you may not be as busy or you're extremely busy um you'll get to a point in your life when you're in your career and you have a family that like you those things like if you establish it early on mm-hmm. will be helpful to have that habit um rather than like getting to a point in your life where you kind of like don't engage in anything that just keeps your mind right and your body right so it's cool to start early and um kind of just like explore and be adventurous mm-hmm. with it all totally i agree yes totally mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious too. So, um, being like a from a like a female led firm, I think it's like something that's not as frequent and not as common as in the industry as like some people may want it. I agree with that. Um, What kind of advice, like from your career, that you like you learned about yourself, or what's something you learned about yourself that could be helpful for other women who would want to join the vent or like be work in venture capital one day?
1: That's a very good question. The truth is that I was extremely lucky to find my way as an investor. It's mm-hmm. something I love. I found my calling and I was really, really lucky. And there isn't a clear path. But I would say there's there's a couple of practical things you can do. I mean, on the one hand, you can just do your internal homework and understand what you want out of life. What are your values inside and outside of work and what you're good at? And second, find be- good people to work with who are kind and deeply care about you and who share your values and the only way to find that is just go and meet a lot of people and talk to as many people as possible and, and build relationships. Um, so yeah and there's some people that say okay great I don't even know what I want to do which that happened to me many times in life I just you know I wasn't sure so I think that's okay just go and try things mm-hmm. and you will eventually find your way to something you love and it can take a lifetime it can take a long time until you really find what you really love and what you're good at um so so yeah i would say just go for it
0: i love it
1: 100%. and something that i would say on the other hand is that i think venture is not for everyone i think it can be deceptive from the outside and it's not easy to make money especially if you are not on the on the big funds and it's also a lonely job compared to an operational role in a company. So I would say that the more you talk to people in venture, the better to understand really what it takes um, and if your personality is made for it, because a lot of people are just disenchanted after they, they work in venture. It's so
0: true, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think it's something that, for one, what you mentioned before of like, I think the first step, just like finding that first step of wanting to join an industry in general is to just like understand yourself and to have a perspective, especially with venture capital, like having a perspective on how you see the future is like one of the greatest ways and being able to share that with other people is like a great way to start. Um, But like what you said is like, yeah, I think venture capital definitely has like a lot of like, uh, a lot of people wanna join the industry. Um, but I think the most important thing you do is like every person has a different experience and every person gets into venture capital in a different way. Um, and so just like having exposure to that is like, it's a great thing to do for yourself because for one, it's for just for doing, doing just in, in search for a career that you love to do in the long term. Definitely acknowledge that like, there's going to be like downsides, upsides, like it's not always going to be upside. I think venture capital is for me personally, like I love it. Um, but I know there's other people who may not like resonate with it as deeply as some others so
2: yeah and i i think that goes for everything too i mean i think everybody is fit for their own specific roles and their own like callings and that's why like trying a bunch of things out and exploring all the options because there's i feel like when i was you know a senior in high school for example like trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do? Everybody seems to have everything figured out when they're in college. Like this is the time to figure it out. And I felt, I put so much pressure on myself to like know what I wanted to do. And so I I remember like the time that I figured out like, oh, I want to go into digital marketing. I was literally just sitting in my, like, I can't remember where I was at. I think I was in my, like my previous home. And I was like, okay, what are the things that are like, that I value? Like, what do I enjoy? And I kept defaulting back to like all the things that I, you know, my previous chapter was high school. So I was like, what did I enjoy doing? I loved being creative. I was very artistic. I love photography. I love Mm -hmm. designing I love doing things like virtually. So what can I do in a career like that? And so I like researched programs and like digital marketing. I thought marketing was like, you couldn't do that really over social media. And I thought if you could, it was a very like particular kind of job it wasn't something that everybody could do and that it was just really like up to the you know marketing firm or like whatever like company it was and them figuring it out in their like mix I was like oh it's not its own thing it's just you know added on and then I found out it wasn't and I was like okay well I have to just like run with the thing that I know best and see where it goes and that's what I did and I think I was just glad that I had that like aha moment of like you (sighs) you knew this all along that this is what you enjoyed. Why didn't you just run with it? And so I think like my advice for that also ties into yours of just like trying things out and like figuring out what your values are, what your morals are, what you really like enjoy doing and then seeing where it evolves because there's so many things out there that like I didn't even know what venture capital was or like Mm -hmm. investing was other than people working at like Finance firms and like they invest or like Shark. Yeah, I was like, I don't know anything about this. And now, like, being able to absorb it from Riley is just so cool. And so, I'm learning all of these different areas, different industries, and Mm. there's so much out there other than, you know, the standard, you know, medical, like, just general marketing or business or owning a business and there's so much so i think mm-hmm. that's also something to remember if people like get really intimidated it's just knowing that like okay just because you go with something doesn't mean that that's going to be your end-all be-all like it might lead you to a path that you didn't even know existed and so mm-hmm. that's something that i like
1: super resonate totally with. it can take decades i mean yeah it's, mm-hmm. yeah And what I love
0: about Kenzie's story, too, is, like, back in high school, in my opinion, I don't think social media was taken seriously as a career. Like, it was just, like, you can't have a career in, like, social media and Instagram. Like, Mm -mm. you can't do that. Mm -mm. Of course, like, the (laughs) next five years after that proved that terribly wrong. But, like, Kenzie was, like, knew that from the beginning. Like, she's always been that girl. Like, (laughs) that she knew that she could make something special out of it. And so, I think that there's a lesson in that. It's, like, um, there's going to be things that like people may not like understand like how you, mm-hmm. the opportunity but as long as you can see the vision and you can see yourself doing it i feel like that's the most important thing and yeah. the resources for that are available somewhere mm-hmm. you'll find it somewhere absolutely but absolutely. and you can always
1: change you know mm-hmm. you make a mistake or 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 i mean it's never going to be a mistake because you're always going to learn and, and have a new perspective from being in an industry. But you're not always caged to something just because you chose to mm-hmm. be an engineer or right. be a, you know in finance if you don't like finance, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you you can always change. life is so long. but it's really okay. it is
0: true though. like mm-hmm. you don't have to like feel like you have to do one thing for the next fifty years if mm-hmm. you love what you do and that you want to do it, but you don't have to. like I think that's something mm-hmm. that's definitely a lot more prominent these days. It's like okay. side hustles. And job, like having mm-hmm. different lifetime, I always like to think of it. Like I tell my mom, I'm like, I want to live five different lives in mm-hmm. my lifetime. Like, yes, five different stories, five different books to tell. You never know. Um, yes. But, Ken's, do you want to uh, kick us off with the last question? Yeah, absolutely. So we, since
2: we're approaching the end of the year, we've been asking our guests this month. Um, what is one personal and professional goal that you have for the upcoming year?
1: Yeah. Um, A personal goal, I mean, I have a bunch of self-care-related goals Mm -hmm. as a mom. I always look forward to those. So I started doing jujitsu, and I love it. Wow. I I want to get more competent at it and, and, you know, keep, like, getting more in shape and sleep more, stay on the phone (laughs) in the weekends and and be more present with my kids. And then professional, I would say... um, We have seen over the years that founders that do the right thing and run their business with a lot of integrity and purpose do also better financially over time. Mm -hmm. We're actually being blessed with very good returns. And as investors, um, we see wealth and and the money we're investing um, uh, as multidimensional. So internally, we we have a framework called four-dimensional wealth, Mm -hmm. which is we don't only want to make money, but we want to create better relationships, um, you know, create more innovative things and create social impact. So we call that those four dimensions, uh, financial, relational, intellectual and social. And what we're doing this year that we're very excited about is we're starting to gather more data about those things that are not only financial, but um, the other dimensions. And we create a survey and we're starting to deploy it with all our companies. And we want to gather more, more data and start to demonstrate that the founders that care about these other things do actually better over time. And we're also doing like some playbooks and case studies about our portfolio companies. So this is something that we're very excited about and very passionate about. And that's a goal we have for 2023. That's, that's so amazing. exciting. I really. Yes, I
0: I read a little bit about your four dimensional wealth. I thought that I thought that philosophy was brilliant. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious, like with your um, data collection process. Like, what are some kind of questions that you want to answer um, from these surveys?
1: Yeah, so in these four dimensions, I mean, they they of course financial is very straightforward and it's all the all the questions that you would imagine in a venture capital firm. But um, on the, for example, the relational side, there's different questions around like the that. They have to be quantified, right? So we quantify a lot of them with, what is the churn of your customers, like NPS and things like that, that are more typical. But there's also like a lot of questions that are, um, you know, how often do you prioritize a relationship with your customer with your customer over a financial transaction? And then it would be like always, sometimes, never type mm. of scale mm-hmm. in you you know zero to five scale. So we have a lot of those questions. Um, And there's, you know, intro like a hundred questions and and there's a lot of like, you know, different we it's taken us a lot of like iterations and we're still improving it with some portfolio companies. But uh yeah, that's like the first step into quantifying these things a little bit better. And we're working with an external company as well because we're not experts on that, (laughs) let's be honest. Absolutely. So yeah, no, but this is something that we're very passionate about and and that you know, we just we, we know it's the right thing because uh, we've been blessed again with very good returns, and uh, we've seen that the founders that do well also do better financially. And we would like more more investors to invest this way, and, and that's why we're gathering the data, because it's not enough. We're just saying, hey, investing good people and you will make more money. Is is actually you know we want to gather the data and show it. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Absolutely. absolutely. Way to end on a good note. I love it. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. So and
0: starting the year strong. That's super great. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to jam with you more on that, uh, about that offline. I think that's a brilliant idea. And I think that's really fun to just like get to know like your founders more mm-hmm. and like how's everything going? Yes. Like, how can we be helpful? All right. So to kind of
2: wrap it up, um, we want to let our listeners know where they can connect with you. So either social platforms, um, if you want to connect them to your company, any projects you're working on, anything that you recommend, maybe, you know, podcasts books I know you said you're not a huge book reader but um anything that you think would bring value to them that you really feel that's like connected to you and your journey so and we'll leave them in the comments below after you share them here as well
1: (laughs) yeah so um I mean I'm not huge in social media I'm gonna tell you the truth (laughs) something generational I mean I have Instagram but it's it's not that I use it that much Mm uh but you know uh linkedin um our website mm-hmm. perfect and <laughs> uh, just send me an email i would say yeah i mean i i'm not huge on social media unfortunately no problem I, you know that's something i could have as a goal for next, <laughs> for next <laughs> well. year. I, if
0: you guys are interested in learning more about the um their philosophy around four dimensional yes. wealth definitely check out their website um mm-hmm. we'll go ahead and link that in the description below um, but thank you so much, Maria, for joining yes. us today. Yeah, thank, thank you so you.
1: much. You two are wonderful. And it's I'm so, so happy to be here. So thank you so much for having me. Beautiful. You bet.
2: Thank you so much, Maria. Mm-hmm.